You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. I'm sitting with one of my favorite people on the planet, Leanna Tankersley, who's a genius. I like to call her Gigi, which stands for gorgeous <laughs> genius, because I feel like we need really both of those words to describe all of this business. Oh, wow. Wow. I wish you could see she's wearing a fur vest. Oh, I am too. I did you I know. Uh, ironically, we're both, we're both wearing a fur <laughs> we're, we're basically wearing the, the exact same outfit. Like that's never happened before. Not one time <laughs> in the history of our relationship. Okay. So this is a real treat for me. I hope it will be a real treat for you guys. Um, I love her desperately and uh, she has so many valuable things to say. So we're going to talk um, today about like what it's like to be a mom and to try to hold on to your identity, to keep trying to grow into all of who you can be, to sort of hold your own, hold space for your own self in mm-hmm. the middle of that. Um, and then also how to do that when you struggle with some anxiety. Um, we all struggle with a little something, right? For some of us, it's depression. For some, anxiety. For some, it's other things that are even more complex. Um, but we all have a little something that gets in the way very easily um, of us moving toward our best self, to expressing our creativity, all of that. So um, I thought uh, it'd be really useful for you guys to hear Leanna's story about how she's um, navigating that for herself as she mothers young children. And um, so we'll just we'll just start there with like t- talk to us about the writing for folks who might be new to you, can you tell them a little bit about what kind of writing you do and what you're currently doing? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I've kind of always written. I mean, I can look back at, um, at papers that I have hidden away from when I was eight, nine, ten years old, you know, mm-hmm. poems that I wrote around the time my parents were going through a divorce. Um, writing has always just been kind of like a port in the storm for me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, a place where I could um, let kind of what was going on in my life out and process mm-hmm. it. So interestingly, it's just always been a craft or a practice that I've been drawn to. And then um, as I got older, um, I just kind of thought, well, who who gets to be a writer? You know, like mm-hmm. like who's really a writer? Right. <laughs> you know, right. like that's their job. But I think it was always a secret longing of mine to be able to take this thing that I did and loved and did intuitively yeah. and do it professionally. Um, and then in 2004, I, um, I was living overseas with my husband's job and um, kind of didn't know what, where my life, that the next turn my life was going to take. We had just gotten married and we were coming back from the Middle East back to San Diego and I didn't have a job waiting for me. And I don't know, I just didn't, I didn't know exactly the direction my life was going, but mm-hmm. I, I knew that... Um, I had all these journals that I had been keeping and all this writing that I had been doing that was really bringing me alive. And uh, while we were there, I just had kind of this um, kind of remarkable spiritual experience where I felt mm-hmm. like God was opening a door for me to write and, mm-hmm. and practically opened a door for me to be in touch with an editor um, at a publishing house. And so through that, um, it was a very 
um, it's, so, it's so interesting because um, nothing happened overnight. You know, and like yeah. that's one of the things I think yeah. is so important. Like it, this has been the <laughs> slowest of unfolding. Mm. Here we are sitting 14 years later and yeah. um, it's been a very slow unfolding and has required me to um, stay with it and then also surrender it, you know, as we yeah. have to do with those things that are close to our hearts. But um, anyway, it opened a door back then uh, in 2004 to um, pursue publication. And... Um, and here I am in a couple weeks, my few weeks, my uh, fourth book will be out. Very exciting. So, it is exciting. And I feel mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I think it, we just think of these things as being like, um, if I if I follow my dream, it's all going to happen and it's going right. to explode. And it's going right. to like, if I do, if I, if I listen to the voice of God and I follow it, yeah. that um, this flash, easy. right. And this mm-hmm. flash in the pan's going to happen. And yeah. it just has been um, completely the opposite. Yes. <laughs> um, and there's days where I question like, why am I doing this? And uh-huh. does anyone even care? And yeah. who is this for? And is, am I just doing this for myself? And maybe there are days where that's true, where it yeah. is, it's ministering to me more than anybody else, you know, but, um, but I just feel like, God, yeah, God keeps inviting me back. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I keep finding my truest self as I answer that invitation. So I feel yeah. like it's still, it's still the um, the thing for me to do. Yeah. So is it that is it that experience that you have when you're writing that keeps you feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do, even when outside things are moving slowly? Like what what keeps you writing against all the doubts of like, oh my gosh what are we even doing this for and how can I fit this in between baseball and softball? And, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think um, a few things. One, I love the craft of writing. I love mm. words. I love books. I love um, uh, when someone puts a sentence together or a story together that makes you laugh out loud yeah. or brings you to tears. I feel like there's a specific magic in that. Right. I, I am so committed and brought alive by the mystery of that. Mm. How someone could take a concept or a story or words and could put it together in a way that it could completely evoke something so significant in a stranger. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, that gets me out of bed. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Because I, I know this last book... Um, Begin Again, which is coming out just a month from now. Yes, it's very exciting. Right. On April the 3rd. Is yes, that right? Yeah. So we're very excited. Already pre-ordered many copies. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that you wrote this book in the dark yeah. at like five in the morning. Yes. Like, how do you get, how do you get, literally get yourself out of bed when <clears throat> life is so demanding already? Yeah. Each one of my books um, <clears throat> has... <clears throat> somehow in the midst of a lot of life kind of told me how it needs to get written. I know this sounds weird, but it's like if if this material is supposed to come out of you, mm-hmm. come, come forth from your hands and your heart, um, it, it sort of tells you, I don't know, like life kind of, um, it'll show you in your life how it needs to be born, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And each of my books, that's happened differently. Sometimes it's been at night. Sometimes it's been on the weekend. Sometimes it's been with a sitter. This particular book, um, I was single parenting through a lot of when it needed to be written because of my husband's job and he was gone out of the country for a hu- for huge chunks of time. And so it just it just became clear 
that the only time this book was going to get written was at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so I went to bed at eight o'clock the night before for lots and lots of nights. And I got up early and um, just went to the kitchen table with my candle and my blanket and my coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it just arrived. And um, it arrived because I showed up and yeah. because I opened myself up to it. And, um, and because the concept of begin again, as you and I have talked about, has been very close to me and a, 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 just a, a sacred companion mm-hmm. for the last decade. And so I was also very committed to the concept of this book and what it's meant to right. me in my life. Right. And what in my writing, what I feel like I'm doing is I love stories, as you know, and I feel like mm-hmm. when, when life is full and noisy, Sometimes we don't always remember concepts, but we can always remember stories and we can recall stories, you know, yes. when life is full and crazy and chaotic. And I can't remember that that truth or that, you know, whatever that that concept, or that idea. But I can remember this story and what it meant to me and how it landed with me. And so I try to I try to um, share these meaningful things and sacred ideas through stories. And then I'm really interested in um, how what we believe actually affects how we live right. and our emotional life and what's mm-hmm. actually going on mm-hmm. in our lives, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think we can have this sort of set of beliefs and then we can have what's actually going on in our lives. Right. And those things can can stay on opposite ends of the field. <laughs> and then it's sort of like... Makes you feel crazy, right? Makes when you they, feel crazy. They don't... I believe all these things and yet I'm not able to pull any of them off. Totally. Yeah. And so how does... Um, who God is and who I am intersect with what's actually going on in my life and specifically mm-hmm. my emotional journey. So mm-hmm. many of us get stuck because um, of, of our stories. Yeah. And they're unprocessed and they're gnarly. Yeah. And um, then we just sort of hit a wall in life because we don't know how what we believe could possibly inform Right. These hard things we're going through. Right. And so I'm just teasing all that out in my writing and what that looks like in my own life. Um, and that's sort of what my books are about. So I would call it spiritual journey um, and emotional journey, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. how all of that is coexisting. Yeah. When do you think you became aware that anxiety was playing a big role in your life? Oh, that's a great question. It was when I was writing Breathing Room, which was my mm-hmm. second book. Mm-hmm. And we had, um, we had, um, we had returned from living overseas for two mm-hmm. years. And I had Luke and Lane, my boy girl twins, were four. And our baby was one, Elle was one. And I was um, sitting in my bedroom working on Breathing Room. And my body was buzzing from mm. three little kids, a book deadline, and and more than anything, I think kind of the post-traumatic stress of yes. moving overseas, yes. having a baby overseas, and then moving back with these three very young children, mm-hmm. and just what that requires of a person's system. Right. And... Um, the writing was the safe place, you know, but yeah. I was there writing. And I think because I was in kind of my safe place, I was all of a sudden aware of my body hurt. Mm-hmm. Every, my whole body hurt. Mm-hmm. My whole body, uh, it was very physiological, yes. right? It wasn't, um, yeah. it wasn't as much mental or, um, wow, I'm feeling stressed. It was more like my body is a runaway train right yeah. now. Yeah. 
So yeah, I remember a lot of physical pain, like joint pain and muscle yes, pain. Yeah, I remember you saying that, like my hands hurt. My hands hurt, my feet hurt. Yeah. I would get out of bed in the morning and step onto my feet and feel like, are there broken bones in my <laughs> right. feet? It was weird. Mm. And then I was sitting at my desk just feeling like um, I couldn't catch, literally I could not catch my breath. And it felt like something was sitting on my chest and something was kind of constricting. I feel, it, I feel anxiety a lot in my throat. Like yeah. it feels like my throat is tight. My chest is heavy and my body hurts. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I just felt like I'm on the verge of feeling slightly panicked right now because of what's going on in my body physiologically. And I'm a person who can be um, really strong, mm-hmm. quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? And I can like muster my way through things and um, kind of like will myself through uh, difficult experiences or stress. And what I was realizing in that moment is I had no control over what was happening in my body. And I, there was nothing I could do yeah. to gain control over what was going on in my body. And I remember getting up from my desk and going into um, the bathroom that's connected to our master bedroom and getting the shower as hot as I could. And getting the, It was the only thing I can think of to do is get in the shower yeah. and like um, try to relax my body. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing in the shower thinking... I don't think this is normal. <laughs> right, right. And that was the first time I realized, like, yeah. I, I don't think something's happening. Something's happening. Yeah. Well, I think, I think especially for people like you, Leanna, like you, Leanna was an athlete all her life, played volleyball in college. I mean, very, um, very trained physically, right? And I just, yeah. I think, I think it's so helpful for people to hear that even somebody who can really lock things down and get out there and do what they need to do can reach a point where they're aware that like so my body needs something that I cannot override and I have to figure out what to do with it because your ability to override is, is very high, right? Like I always say, you have such high resilience, right? Which has served you well in a lot of ways, but there is a limit to how far that resilience can and should really Absolutely. take you, right? Like at some point, um, it's it's important and can be the beginning of something really beautiful to go, whoa, I actually am pushing myself beyond what's good for me and I need to figure out, I need to stop using pushing as the only way through things and yeah. try to figure out what else can I do for my poor body, which seems to be falling apart for reasons I don't understand. Yeah. I remember during that time, um, an override is such a good word, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, I'm strong. I can do Mm -hmm. it. If I just sort of ignore what's going on, I can keep pushing through. And I remember during that time, um, I was telling you this. I was telling you um, some of the stuff that was going on for me and how it felt like I was in new uncharted territory with myself. Yeah. And you said, what if you just stopped? What if you just let the crash happen? Yes. And I remember that being terrifying. Yeah. I don't know that I'd ever in my life, quote unquote, let the crash happen. And I knew when you said it to me, it was the way through, right? Mm, right, To stop, like, trying to override what was going on and to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. But um, to let down in that way and let go was, um, it was scary. What's going to happen? Am I going to be consumed by this, mm-hmm. am I going to be um, unable to function in my life? You know, right. which is one of my great fears. Right. And um, 
so I, yeah, that, but that was important advice. And even it's interesting that made its way into breathing room. I think in the subtitle, there's the phrase of letting go, you know, yeah. that often our way into space and breath is not to push, but to, to kind of let the crash mm-hmm. happen, which I don't like. I don't like that. Right. You know, I remember too this phrase from um, Emotions Anonymous, which is mm. part of the 12 step tradition. And I read this phrase during that time, which said, we do not deserve to keep hurting ourselves. Yes. And there was something about that that just deeply resonated with me, that sometimes our overriding and our pushing through is a way that we're hurting ourselves and Mm -hmm. expecting too much in a time when we need to turn toward ourselves with comfort and compassion and empathy and tenderness instead of like push and competition and um, mustering, you know? Yes. And I remember that, like, I think that um, I need to realize that I don't deserve to keep hurting myself in this way, that um, the expectations that I have right now are just too high. Too high. And so the way that I can honor myself and what I'm going through is actually to get help. And that's the greatest um, form of strength is saying I'm powerless over this, which is step one of of 12-step, right? That I reached a point where I was powerless and I needed help. Yeah, and it actually is too much. What's happening is too much. Is too much. Like it, t- it takes me back to that day when I you're know. like right, right, right after you guys moved back, and you're standing in the rain. We've got screaming babies in yes. the house, and the movers are like they're wanting you to check each box. It's come from the Middle East that you're putting this new house that you've barely seen, right? Yeah. Like just, um, just how I, I just felt like I was going to break down just watching yeah. you have to do that. Of like. Yeah. I have to get all these boxes moved into this house. I have to organize all these movers. I have these kids in the house who are really disoriented. There's so much going on. It's cold. My body is hurting. Yeah. And and you had to do it, right? Yeah. Like you you had to do it. And yet at the same time, it was just it was so much. It was just too much. And I think being able to sometimes say this is too much is super helpful. I feel like you've done that for me so many times when I felt like, gosh, what's going on in my body is so overwhelming to me with my chronic pain and all of that. And there've been so many times when I felt like I don't, I don't want to bother anybody else with what's what I'm dealing with because it's so chronic and it's so long-term. Um, and I, and I'm tired of trying to help myself. Mm -hmm. I ran out of gas on that. And then I just, I just, I'm sure you've said this to me more than once, but like I remember you saying to me, what if this were happening to Katie, who's my daughter? What if this were happening to Katie? What would you do? And I just remember thinking, oh gosh, well, I would, I would take her to every doctor I could find. I would read every article on the internet I could find. I would just keep, I would just keep trying. I would get up every morning and just keep trying and I'd buy her a pretty dress so she could feel better <laughs> right. in the middle of it. You right? wouldn't lose patience with her, right? You'd have an endless reserve of empathy yes. and desire to help yeah. and how quickly we lose patience with ourselves when we're in the midst of these things, yeah. right? And think we should be handling it differently. Right. Or, And I think what we're both saying, which is interesting, um, is that, so when you're in the middle of your, like, I can't see my way out of this. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the middle of my, I can't see my way out of this, we were both there for each other, mm-hmm. right? In a way yeah. that we could mirror, um, actually what you're going through is super hard. <laughs> yes. And yes. Um, 
it makes sense that you're drowning a little bit because yeah. this is a lot. When we're when we're like trapped in our own closed loop of despair, mm-hmm. we we can do, we can start turning on ourselves in all kinds of crazy ways. And right. I think we have both been that for each other yes, to definitely. help us find a way out and yeah. to someone else to say to us. Um, I see what you're going through and it's pretty gnarly and it makes sense that you're struggling and let's get you the help that you need Mm -hmm. or just keep going. You can do it. What, what, what kind of support do you need to keep going? You know? And so I think for those people who are listening, who are feeling despairing, is there someone else in your life that knows how you're feeling, what Mm -hmm. you're going through? Are you sharing that with someone, whether maybe it's a professional guide, maybe it's a friend who can really listen well Mm -hmm. and say, yeah, this is no joke. Yeah. You know, let's help you get the support that you need. Yeah. I think sometimes we need we need more than somebody saying, um, I feel sorry for you or I yeah. feel sad about what's yeah. happening or here, try this, right? Like we really need right. someone who, who can just look it right in the face and go, this is really hard. I see that this is hard. Like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I think that that has been endlessly helpful to me for you to say those things to me like I, I see what's happening and this is not okay yeah <laughs> right yeah. It's like, oh, oh 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 it is that right right like I'm not I'm not uh I'm not being weak I'm not being ridiculous yeah. this actually is too hard especially when somebody who's very strong and resilient yep. says that to you that's very grounding yeah it's very grounding. oh I need to pay attention to the fact that this is yeah. like the next level yeah so what do I need to do for myself to um, give, you know, provide support and help that I need during mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. I think too some of the some of the circumstances of my life with our move overseas and twins and all that. I think people can hear that and it can feel like, well, yeah, those are extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. No wonder you felt that sure. way. Yeah. I think, and I will always say this: that yes, some of the circumstances of our lives have been, um, you know, extraordinary or kind of like, whoa, not not typical to, right. a, to everyone's right. lives. But honestly. Um, the more the most difficult thing about those circumstances all of them was not so much externally hmm. but it was internally because hmm. i think i i always oh, through yeah. all of that felt like if i was doing better at my life this wouldn't be so hard yes you know if if um life isn't hard because it's hard mm-hmm. life is hard because i'm somehow failing at it right right and and that, for me, I think, has produced more anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. self-contempt, mm-hmm. a sense of being paralyzed and stuck, and, e- and even literal depression Yeah, because of this sense that if I were coping with my own life better, if I was more prepared for my own life, mm-hmm. like her over there, like she right. could be doing my life right. so much better than I'm doing my life, yeah. then um, I wouldn't be so in the weeds. Yes. You know? And so I think... What's true about that is that it doesn't really matter what's going on externally. It could be the most extraordinary or ordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. If you are not on your own team internally, you you're in the weeds, right? You are right. you are um, in a you're in a contemptful situation, in an adversarial relationship with yourself, mm-hmm. and that's a non-starter. Right. And that has been the thing yeah. that I think, um, along with dealing with the physiological and um, uh, effects of anxiety in my life, mm-hmm. which has included therapy. I want to be really clear about this. Yeah. It's included, it's required mm-hmm. therapy, EMDR, 
medication. Mm -hmm. I'm still on medication to this day to Mm -hmm. manage it and to take care of myself. Because remember, I don't deserve to keep hurting myself. And having runaway anxiety is a way that I would be punishing myself, right? I have to get myself to help and support so that I can manage that, so that I can be there in my life with the people that I love. And I can be there for myself and treat Mm -hmm. myself in a way that's a friend. And then um, that's a good segue into the day in and day out, sometimes moment by moment, um, management of my relationship with myself. Yes. <laughs> because man, it's so big. Oh, I mean, it has. It will derail me faster than anything, mm-hmm. and um, it just requires constant attention. Yeah. Talk about uh, begin again and um, a little bit, a little bit more about that whole idea. Yeah, nine years ago, I became a mother for the first time, and I became a mother to boy-girl twins. And I didn't know what I was doing, mm-hmm. right, at all. And I had these two babies, and they were precious and perfect, and I wanted nothing more than to be perfect for them. Mm-hmm. And the landscape of that time just seemed huge. Everything was huge. My emotions, my lack of sleep. I always say the pile of empty Diet Coke cans was huge. You know, everything was huge. My love yeah. for them was huge. Yeah. My fear of ruining it all was huge. Yeah. It was just it was just this giant open landscape, and I didn't have a hold in the midst of all of this. I didn't have a way through. I just felt in love with these babies and paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And looking back, there was anxiety playing a role in that time too, sure, but I didn't know it. Sure. I didn't I was just too in the midst of the enormousness of that time to know how big of a role anxiety was playing in that in that season. But um, I remember just a couple months into motherhood, um, reading this line from St. Benedict, who um, uh, was a monk that lived 1,500 years ago. And um, we might know like the rule of St. Benedict. Some people may, may be familiar with that concept. And this line from St. Benedict that just changed everything for me, and it's this, Always we begin again. Always we begin again. Those four words just jumped off the page at me, jumped into my heart, and it was like, it it was just like, it doesn't matter how hard this moment is, you will always have a next moment. There will always be a hand reaching towards you Mm. to bring you out of that place where you feel stuck or silenced or shamed and say you have a next new moment and you can begin again. And so... That idea of beginning again just became a companion. It became a practice. It mm-hmm. became a way through. It became a hold in yes. what felt like this like vast landscape of not, of just openness. And to this day, it's something I think about you know a dozen times a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's been so helpful for us to have a lot of conversations while you were writing that and and watching you implement that principle in your life over these last number of years and. <clears throat> just how uh, meaningful it's been to me to start reminding myself about that. I mean, I think it's easy to sometimes think about like, I can begin again tomorrow, or I can begin again next week, or I can begin again on a Monday, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you could, you could, or January 1, right? I got to yes, wait till the next new yes, year. We got to wait right. for these very specific right. times Absolutely. to begin again. But the idea of like each moment yeah. is an opportunity to begin again. And that's that's really so relieving and so beautiful. Um, I got uh, that quote um, tattooed on my arm um, <laughs> at a birthday party we had a few years ago in Leanna's handwriting. And um, 
it's it's just um, another another way to cement that concept for myself and and seeing it in her handwriting is of course a reminder of like the millions of conversations yeah. we've had about that so it's so precious to me but um, yeah that idea that every moment like I love what you just said about like there's a hand reaching yes. toward you there's an invitation always, always in every moment for you to begin again and that the need to begin again is human right like that's oh, that's never ending so well that's said. never going away that we don't need another opportunity to begin again and how lucky that we have it yeah how lucky that we have yeah, it. it's never you know we're never just that that I think that the the toxic voices are sometimes I call them the soul bullies like mm-hmm. these these Voices in our head are telling us that's it. It's over for you. That's the end. You know, you really did it this time. Right. You've really ruined your life or you've, you know, you, they, they're so final. It's so like, it's this, it's this final judgment that we're hearing in our head. And I think that, um, beginning again is like a counter spell mm-hmm. to shame and mm-hmm. to their, like, to their dead end voices. Yeah. Right. So screw that. I'm going to start over no again. No way. I always yeah. have an opportunity to step into the next moment, mm-hmm. you know, because I think what, I think what, um, the darkness around us wants is for us to feel paralyzed and like it's over. Right. Right. And we, when we step into the next moment, we're like, no, it's not over. It's not mm-hmm. over for me. I can take it. I can rise, you know? Um, I, I, in, in, in writing this book, I did, as I told, as I said, I love words and I did some, um, research on the etymology of the word begin. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so interesting. And I didn't know this, but begin is a unique word and there's not, a, not a lot of other words like it, which I think is kind of cool, but really ultimately what it means is to open or to open up. And I think that's significant because so much, so many times in our lives, something happens and we just want to shut down, mm-hmm. slam shut, close off. Everybody leave me alone. I just want to stay in my corner. And the idea of beginning again is that we open up in the very place where we want to shut down and we let that hand reach toward us or we let that person in. We let God in. We let grace in, a fresh perspective in. And um, that's been very meaningful to me. Like, okay, I want to shut down, but what beginning again is going to require is for me to open up, breathe, and let myself walk into the next moment, you know? And that has been an important nuance to this idea of beginning again. Yeah. And it's something we're having to practice every day, which is really what drives me crazy about it, right? Like you'd think we'd be getting getting better at this. Um, And and in some ways, yes, better. It's easier. Uh, It's more, the idea of it is more present, right? The more you practice, the more present it is. But it does feel like it, it, it is an endless choice that has to be made. Like, will I begin again with my child in this conversation that we're having? Will I begin again um, with the crazy stuff I'm saying in my head or with my partner? Will I, will I start over? Yeah. Um, will I stop the, the, the train that I'm on to get off and rethink this whole situation? But it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily get easier to do it because it is always a choice that has to be made over and over. Totally. And you know, when we're in these toxic loops inside our own heads, there's something about, there's something that keeps us there. Yeah. We want to stay with it. Yeah. And this is an active discipline, an active choice to say, I'm going to leave that. It's just not productive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes moving into healthier thinking is like the foreign territory, right? right? What feels right. comfortable and familiar is to stay in that like loathsome loop. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it, I kind of, sometimes I feel like it's, it's like 
it's like drinking water and exercising. The choice mm-hmm. to step into That's a new great. moment. Yeah. You know, it's a discipline. You don't wait till it feels good. Yeah. You do it because it's good for you. Right. Because being stuck isn't, you know, right. and beating ourselves up is not good for us. Yeah. So, yeah, I read this poem um, recently that I just love. And uh, one of the lines talks about, um, we'll know we've been raised from the dead when every wall becomes a door. Mm, wow. And I... Oh, that's beautiful. I, I think about that a lot with this idea of, of opening up. And there's circumstances in all of our lives that feel like a wall. This mm-hmm. is never going to mm-hmm. change. This is a dead end. 100%. Mm-hmm. And that um, if we're thinking about something that's beyond ourselves, sometimes the wall um, is an invitation to uh, different living, healing, mm-hmm. facing things we don't want to face, um, leaning into our community more. Trusting God with something we don't want to trust him with. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it's a door, right? Into something that's beyond us. And so I've been trying to think about that too, that that beginning again is also about when we thought what we think is an ending might be a beginning. Hmm. And that's really energizing, right? Like if that's true, wouldn't that be amazing, right? Like if something brand new that I've never experienced again, some, some sense of freedom or relief, right, that I've yes. been looking for for a long time could actually be right on the other side of this. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Right. Like if this is ultimately about my transformation, yeah. you know, then um, perhaps this wall has um, has something for me to learn or has mm-hmm. something for me to grow in or like you're yeah. saying, healing or relief or yeah. freedom whoa, I mean, that's that's a whole different way of looking at our circumstances. Right. So um, that's an aspect, another aspect of, of Begin Again that's been important. And I think to, you know, a, a critique of this concept could be, is this just like, um, I'm not really growing or going anywhere. I'm mm. just sort of like, oh, I mess up, I begin again. And then, I, right. and then it gives me permission to mess up again because <laughs> right. I can always begin again. And yeah. I just found in my own life, the more that I um, have been thinking about this and practicing it, it's taking, it's, 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 um, I'm it's spiraling. It is. Yeah. And it's spiraling yeah. me deeper into myself, deeper into yeah. God, deeper into my community. Yeah. It's not just this, um, you know, uh, feudal. right. Right, because if we look back a couple of years, we can see, gosh, over time, this constant um, choice to begin again has really led us somewhere, Yeah. right? Like yeah. some of the things that used to be very hard and the ways that we used to be, some of those things are very different now. Yeah. I can certainly see that in you, like the, the even deeper strength and deeper resilience mm. that that has occurred. It's like it's really beautiful to watch that all the work that you've been doing and all the hard choices that you've been making have led you to an tr- a even truer mm. um, expression of who you are. And it's really beautiful mm. to you. watch. It inspires me all the time. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I think what I'm learning is that um, I still, you know, turn on myself, mm. get frustrated in life, you know, deal with, of course, like we're yes. never going to graduate yes. from these frustrations or these Um, times where we just felt totally derailed. What I'm learning is that cycle of being derailed, turning on myself and, and kind of stewing in that used to take me and then coming out of it would take me, you know, a long time. And what happens and the, the, the punishment that we experience at our own hands or the hands of the toxic voices when we're in that Mm -hmm. cycle is just debilitating. Mm -hmm. But if we can get 
through that cycle a little faster, you know, and kind of come through it and say, well, yeah, that sucked and I messed that up, but I can come through it faster is... Uh, that's huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we we don't feel stuck for as long, and so right. that's one thing I'm noticing is that does the bad thing still happen? Yeah, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, it does, mm-hmm. and yet I can come through the cycle of frustration or self contempt yeah. a lot faster. I'm going to recognize it more quickly. I'm going to push it away more quickly. Going to be like, this is stupid. Yeah, this is uh, this, this is, is not productive yeah. yes. for me to sit in this for the next week. Right. You know, it's not productive. And I can let it go. I have permission mm-hmm. to let it go and to mm-hmm. come through it and to, and to begin again. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's that concept that like grace isn't for everyone else in the world. Grace mm-hmm. is also for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, whoa, what a, what a revolutionary subversive right. concept, you right. know, and some of us can't get that. Mm-hmm. We're not living mm-hmm. like grace is for us too. Right. Right. So yeah, I think it's important. Any little tips you might <laughs> have about like, how do you, you know, aside from all the hard work you're doing in your head about all of this, all the thinking pieces. Are there some things that, like some practical things that you mm-hmm. do that that help sort of shift gears for you? Yes. Like I know you've given up Diet Coke, which is pretty tragic, <laughs> right? So like, what do we do I instead? I know. You know, a word that has been close to me lately is the word tending. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've just been thinking about. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that often the idea of tending is like getting my hands back in my own life. And so um, when I'm spiraling or when I'm trying to begin again, or I'm trying to switch the energy, like you're saying, um, what could I tend? Yeah. So that might mean I need to just like chop up some veggies and get Mm -hmm. it ready um, for some soup later. Or I need to go outside and water my pots of bougainvillea. You know, I love bougainvillea and I have some pots uh, around our property. So I need to go tend to a living thing. Yeah. Or um, I need to sit and do some journaling and actually move, not not type, but move my hand with a pen and paper. Um, I need to stir. Mm-hmm. I need to cut. I need to do something that allows me to um, get my hands back in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and it may involve walking. It just, it's physical, yes. right? And yeah. um, and it's, it's a task that, um, you know, otherwise might feel menial. Mm-hmm. I have a story in Begin Again about blow drying my daughter Lane's hair. She's nine <laughs> years old. And, you know, when we're when we're like really in the throes of anxiety, a task like blow drying a thick head of little girl hair right. can feel like, ugh, you know. Yeah, this is going to take forever. When am I going to get this done? You know, yeah. I got a thousand things to do. Yeah. And we know that um, we're doing better when we can stand it, when we yes. can tolerate yeah. tending and yeah. we can stand there and blow dry this beautiful head of hair and just be there mm-hmm. and not need to be anywhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. And that happened to me recently. And um, it, it, it makes me emotional because there have been so many times in my life where I can't tolerate that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so when I can stand there and look at my daughter's face in the mirror and notice that she's kind of checking out my work, how is mommy doing, <laughs> you know? And I can just be there and yeah. be with her and watch this, Beautiful. you know, dark, wet hair kind of become coppery brown mm-hmm. as it dries and, and just be in that moment with her. It's an act of tending that otherwise is very mundane, but it brings me back to myself and it, and it feels like, man, I'm coming back to life. Yeah, yeah. So that is always my, if you want to call it advice or my suggestion, yeah. is um, it seems like that will never work. That's so dumb. How can <laughs> like trimming some leaves off a plant and putting mm-hmm. them in a vase possibly make a difference? 
and it does. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the the <clears throat> thing for for um, for other folks is to find like what are your things yes. that help you tend right for me it's like I gotta arrange pillows on something right. I gotta right. paint a wall I gotta smell a child right like yeah. uh, what are the things that are going to work for you that are going to bring you back to yourself and ground yourself and remind you like this moment is a gift and you're okay and you're going to keep moving forward and we can get grounded again. Like yes. Even when we lose ourselves, we can get grounded again and we can keep moving forward. And that, that feels very freeing. Yeah. And you might be listening to this and thinking, I don't know what those things are for me. And mm-hmm. so that's not going to work for me. And it's okay. It's okay if you don't know what those things are for you. But you could spend five minutes today thinking about mm-hmm. what what do you enjoy that, that right. you know, is it cooking? Is it making a pot of soup? Is it stirring up something? Is it... Is it walking through the yard mm-hmm. and just clipping a few things and putting them in a vase, you know, mm-hmm. trying a few different things that um, help you get your hands back in your right. life. And it's okay if you don't know what that is right now. Right. You know, maybe it's sitting down and coloring or... Um, lighting your anthro candle. Lighting your anthropology <laughs> candle. Exactly. Um, you know, but try a few things that will um, maybe resonate mm-hmm. with your mm-hmm. with yourself and your soul. Yeah. I think our fur vests really helped us today. Obviously. I think we felt very grounded because of our fur vests. Well, there's something comforting about just having something right? soft on your body. <laughs> sure I know. Is. I know. It's sure true. It is. Well, LT, thank you. Are oh, we done I've, already? Do you have other things you want to say? Oh, always. Anything else you, you and I could talk about? endlessly about well, a lot we'll of just, things. We'll just do it again. No, I know. We'll I love it, it. Thank you so much. This is, it's always tender to talk, whether we have a microphone between us or yes. not. It's always yes. tender to talk. I agree. Yeah. So guys, do yourself a favor. <laughs> Go right now and order, begin again. And then also the book before that, which is Brazen, which is awesome. The book before that breathing room you got it and then one more before that found art so that is all um all liana's work thus far and lots more to come can't wait for the the next piece and and what that's going to look like in your life as you write it thank you i'm sure you'll be intimately involved (laughs) i hope so that's the way i like it (laughs) all right thanks thanks for listening to the soul care house podcast we'd love to hear from you any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, our website is soulcarehouse.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is soulcarehouse and barn. Talk to you soon.